to the Homemakers Club podcast. The Homemakers Club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home. As you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker, it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you're stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation. As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Hey everyone, welcome to the Homemakers Club podcast. Today is going to be so exciting and so special. Y'all have heard me mention before Miss Sally Clarkson, and I always refer to her as the very godmother of homemaking, and that's for good reason. Miss Sally has published so many books. The Life-Giving Home series is my absolute favorite and one that I recommend to so many friends and family and women within the Homemakers Club. She has a podcast called At Home with Sally. She has a blog where she shares so much encouragement and elevates the voice of home. I'll share all the links for her stuff in the podcast notes. I'm absolutely certain that y'all are going to adore her if you don't know her already. Today, I am so happy to have you, Miss Fairy Godmother of the Homemaking World. (laughs) Sally, welcome. I'm so honored to be here. I love what you do. I love the beauty of what you share so this is an honor to me. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Um, so normally, Miss Sally, on this podcast, we kind of have like a kitchen table style chat back and forth between myself and my guests talking about all things homemaking. So the things that we find value in, some hardships and how we overcome them. It's just kind of like a natural like as if they're sitting at the kitchen table with me. But today is going to be a little bit different When I was thinking about having this conversation with you, all I could think about was picturing the women cooking in their kitchen, listening to your words, or folding laundry, or getting up early to have a cup of coffee and listen to the words that you share. But then I kept thinking also, like, I wish that I can have all the Homemakers Club come to my home, we can cozy up, and then invite you over, and then you could just impart your wisdom onto us like children. And so I thought, well, you know what? I could kind of create that environment by putting up like a question box on the Homemakers Club and let them ask you the questions as if they were in my home. Mm-hmm. And, and the amount of joy and the amount of questions and the amount of DMs that I received were absolutely astounding. I knew I'd get a lot, but I got way more than I thought. And so, Miss Sally, I just hope you know how loved you are and how, yeah, you're so loved in the homemaking community. Um, So many of us glean from you. So many of us find comfort and nurture through you and your words. So I'm... I'm just, I'm so honored to get this going. I'm, we just love you so much. So thank you for agreeing to do this Q&A uh, style. I'm 
I can't wait. I'm so honored. I love what you're doing. I love what these precious women are sacrificing to do. And then they're sharing it so much on Instagram and with the world. And I just think it's so powerful. So I went through a lot of the questions and I kind of tried to make a list of the most recurring questions that I was receiving. And so before we do that, I'd like for you to maybe introduce yourself and tell us where you're at right now in your homemaking journey. And then we'll get right into the questions. You know, I have four children and we have moved 20 times, eight times internationally, got to move to another house. (laughs) And I currently live between uh, Colorado, actually Monument, Colorado and Oxford. And I don't don't think homemaking has ever changed for me in that I, I kind of got a vision for it very early in my life. I was a single missionary many, many years ago, thousand years ago. And because we couldn't meet publicly in communist countries, with the people that we were working with, we would have them in our home. And so very early we learned if you put tea or coffee and food out, people start opening up. And so we would have, when I lived in Poland, we would have um, something like 25 to 35 women from different parts of the country. And they would come and spend the time with us. And, you know, we still had to cook and we didn't have any food. So we made it up as we went, wash dishes, make bedding, for everyone, wash all their dirty things. <laughs> and But I look back and I think it was my mom. My mom was a great creator of life in the home. And then I started out in missions. And then even up till now, we have a, I think we had maybe, I don't know, 30 guests this summer in Oxford. And I have, I'm still having kids live in and out with me. They come back and forth until they finish their PhDs, which they're all kind of doing. And I have a Bible study that has women from seven countries and I cook for them and I, you know, do goodies for them. And, um, and so my home has just been a revolving door since I started. And of course it's different in different seasons when you have littles, but now I have my grandkids. I have three grandkids that come over regularly to my house and they were three, two and zero, but now they're four, three and one. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, and they're, you know, they come in my house and blow through the Legos and the toys and the snacks and everything. And I remember, oh yeah, actually I've never quit having that. So it's kind of, you just build onto it. And it's important that for me, that no matter who is coming into my house, they feel welcomed. They feel like there's a solace. They feel like they belong. And it's kind of clothing myself with that attitude even when I'm tired, just to say, okay, this is a place of welcome. This is a place of friendship. This is a place of ministry. I love so that. littles or bigs or um, versus mamas, um, we, we have it all, all the time. I love how you mentioned that during your mission, you were able to create that environment for people. So that was even before you were married, mm-hmm. before you had children you are able to develop and cultivate a home for anyone who came within. So homemaking is not limited just to motherhood and marriage. Oh, no, no. I think people all over the world need place. They need to feel like they belong to the place. They need community. And we have to create that for a lot of people. But, you know, and I, I could speak specifically to the little years, too, if you want me to, because I am not... I love beauty and cooking and making things pretty. I do not love washing dishes or 
or washing clothes or organizing <laughs> because that's just not my strength, but I had to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, the, the uh, home art, I loved the uh, housework. Uh, you know, if I was ever going to get mad at my children, it would be when I was coming into the kitchen and there were still dirty dishes. Right. There's so <laughs> much work that goes into, I think a lot of times people think that homemaking is housekeeping in and that's why I'm trying to like, I'm trying to understand myself so much and then also enrich so many women as well as to understand like homemaking is not housekeeping. I'm sure we have our housekeeping duties, but that is not homemaking. What is homemaking? Like if you could reflect and define like what actually is homemaking, what would you say? I think, you know, as I look at creation because I love, I, I love nature and outdoors if I look at creation, you know, the dimension of it, there's color, there's all the thousands of kind of foods, there's, you know, there's design, there's things that create warmth in us. And I I thought I want to emulate God's creativity in my home. And I want to emulate his love in my home through the ways that I take care of people. So I think that you can, there is no one way to do homemaking. We have different color palettes that we love. I have a lot of old furniture because I inherited it. And then I got a few pieces when I was in Europe. And I have a lot of pictures on my walls and some scripture on the walls. And I mean, I have, my house is packed. It it needs to be unpacked. We've had too many things over the years. But one of my friends walked in and said, oh, your house. She said, I just love it. Simple, no furniture, no doodads. Just, you know, how do you take care of all this? And I realized it's okay that we all have different ways of making home. We each have a different feeling about it. But I think that I needed to create a place that I loved Mm -hmm. so that if I was going to spend a lot of time here, I could go from room to room and feel, you know, some happy encouragement because I still had this place that I had designed beauty in. Mm, I love that. I know in your book, The Life-Giving Home, you mention the power of having things within your home that give personal life to the people who gather within. So I'm um, books or I'm um, artifacts or things that you find uh, through our journey, whether it's through travel or our heritage or whatever, there's significant impact in being surrounded by the things that have real root within our hearts. I love that you share that in your book. I think a lot of times women get caught up in keeping up with the aesthetic of what they see on social media or on TV or whatever, and, and they lose almost a sense of self because they're trying to, they're inspired so much, but your book, I love how you talk about, it's about building a home unique to your life. Right. Right. And I, I think it's, you know, we need to not compare ourselves to other people. And my house was constantly in, it would be disorder and chaos. And then we would straightened. Um, I love the verse in Proverbs that says where there are no sheep or cows or animals, the stall is clean. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, I have six, six animals in my stalls every single day. <laughs> <laughs> so evidently it's not supposed to be clean. Now I love order. I, I mean, that means a lot to me, but what I want women to know is there are days, weeks when things 
are hard to tame. And all you're doing is caring for somebody else who's crying. Mm -hmm. And then there are times when if you can develop rhythms and routines and work them so that they help you, then there are times when you begin to go, oh my goodness, I'm making progress. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important for women to take care of their own emotional needs in life in the midst of it all, because your work matters, your serving other people matters, but it's going to require a lot of work and it's not always going to be perfect, but you're moving in the direction of creating life. And that's one of the most profound things about women, they're civilizers. Mm, and and being willing to adapt in like the ebb and flow of the home life is so mm. it's such a incredibly important almost like submission or willingness to put like maybe a clean and tidy home or caught up on the laundry. Like sometimes we have to put those things aside so we can just be present within our home and have grace for ourselves because no day is the same, no hours the same, seasons change. How do you keep perspective when we are surrounded by a culture that doesn't always appreciate homemaking? I really we started groups many years ago called mom heart groups and we still have many all over the world. But I think that a woman alone in her own home surrounded by messes can become a real target of discouragement. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, I didn't always have this because obviously I moved a lot, but there was a friend of mine she was older than I was. And for some reason she fell in love with who I was and what I did. And so she would invite me over and whether I was depressed or frustrated or whatever <laughs> she could kind of sense when I needed somebody to help. And I would go into her home and she would have prepared. She would always have candles lit kind of, I'm a candle girl too. Mm -hmm. And she'd always have something wonderful to eat and a cup of tea or coffee or something like that. And she would say, let's just sit down and be friends. Oh. And by the time I was through, I wanted to go back home and do what she had done for me because it changed my perspective, you know, just being able, I know another time, a friend of mine during a very dire time in our lives, we had a lot of deaths and sickness and different things. And another friend said, I don't know what to do for you, but I'm going to give you a massage. Here's a coupon to a massage place. And I remember going out of my driveway, so down and overwhelmed. And when I drove back in my driveway, I felt so different just because <laughs> somebody had given me a massage. And so I think that understanding that if this is, I really believe that homes will determine what happens in the next generation. Mm -hmm. I believe it's where truth and beauty and virtue is held and celebrated and explored. And if children don't grow up in places where their souls are expanded to the possibility of the excellence that they have potential for, if it's not intentional, if it's not over a lifetime, then the next generation will be empty and vapid and they won't have values and they won't know how to relate. They won't know how to overcome difficulties. And so I think what these precious women are doing, what you're doing, it is probably in some ways the most important work that's going on because we aren't just collecting pretty things. We are shaping souls mm -hmm. and we are developing minds. And so I, I just really think whether you listen to a podcast, read a book, talk to a friend and, you know, overseas on online, whatever you do, 
find people that can cause you to want to be your best self, who encourage you and who keep you going forward. That is incredibly powerful. I love what you were saying about your friends taking action when they saw that there was a need within your heart. And I think that that is such a beautiful testament in the homemaking community is that we are almost joining hands and, and encouraging and enriching and equipping and providing each other for emotional support or meeting the needs like you through that hard season your friend said I don't know what to give you but here's a massage like she was taking action and I think that a lot of women have kind of come to a place maybe where we kind of there's almost like a target saying like women are catty or they're mean or there's no sense of belonging but in the home but now it's almost like women are starting to answer the call and not that they hadn't before but I've learned in my personal life the more I love women the more I feel better about myself and also more confident within my role within my home yeah, it's it's like having a, a a team, a network of people. We we used to call it a club, homemakers it, club. <laughs> I know, I like that. That's what when you said or when I saw that, I thought that's what we used to call our our little friendship. You know, with some people that I was around. It's so powerful. What do you do, or how do you deal with criticism from others about homemaking? A lot of women have kind of taken on this idea of like, oh, I'm just a homemaker. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. And I think it comes from an insecurity maybe because it's looked down on generally as a whole or it had been by society. And so people kind of say, oh, well, what do you do all day? Or, you know, you Mm -hmm. always hear those comments and it makes us maybe feel a little less than or I'm insecure in the idea of like, well, I'm just a homemaker, which I'm trying to banish the word just uh, in front of it and empower homemaker because like you were saying, it's so pivotal and so important for the future and the generations to come. But how do you deal with criticism? You know, I wish that when I started out that I knew that there were going to be, we call them ERPs. Mm-hmm. It's irrational people. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd known that that herbs were a reality, that even if I'd never said anything, sometimes people were already threatened by me if they knew the choices I had made mm-hmm. in my life. And I feel like I, you know, I, I have worked through these things so many times. I mean, I even as a an author of many books, I've found in my professional life that people tend to say, Well, you know, you're just writing books for moms. Are you ever gonna write a really important book. Oh, <laughs> so I've I've even seen I've seen it in professional places. I've seen it in church. I've seen it in neighborhoods, and you know I guess I the best thing about my life is that I have four adult children, and they are just they're not perfect. Obviously, no one is. They're the most amazing people I know, mm. and and I you know I kept thinking I needed to have more kids so I could do it right, but. I can look in their lives and see, and all of them are deep thinkers and they all are writers and they all, you know, in their homes, they all have people in. Even my son, Joel, the other night had this huge group of people in our home in Oxford because he said, I just need to cook for more people. They're just all lonely. So our boys cook, our girls cook. They also write. They're also, I mean, they're kind of, they captured a vision because I made our home the center of life. 
intellectually, emotionally, spiritually fun. And I just, I think keeping the vision going regularly, infusing yourself with a picture of why it matters, because I do think that most of culture does not do or believe that what we do is significant. And yet once you capture that vision, this is about human beings being shaped excellently and well to go into the world as adults who are creating sustainability and, and flourishing areas. So I think it's, you know, you, you will stretch your muscle, you will mature, you will be discouraged. But I just, now that I see my kids all doing what we did, even tea times every day, I'm just so encouraged to see that they were listening. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. They were paying attention. Oh, it mattered. Even, you know, the times I had to say, I'm really sorry. I yelled at you. I'm sure I only did it once or twice yeah. in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Never mm-hmm. happened. Um, I, I think that that's beautiful, Miss Sally. When you're talking, I started imagining like us as a club, like you, we were talking about the club, like women in general, if I'm doing that in my home and you with your children and my other friends with all their children, like collectively, that's a lot of people that were raised in home, which gives me this like almost like a superhuman power within my heart, knowing that I am participating and contributing to something really magnificent outside of just my home. Yeah. And it, it also, I know some people are people of faith, some people aren't, but it's, it's pleasing to our creator because he created home in the garden the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's an essential work that everything else that I've done, I look back and think that my creating life in my home was the most satisfying thing I've ever done because it actually shaped um, for great human beings. I love that. Um, can women be homemakers without children? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. I, I think the thing that I learned most when I first lived in Europe, I lived in Vienna for three years and in communist Eastern Europe for three years as a single woman. And I, I really learned that every single person has capacity to build place, to create beauty. You know, and it says Eve was the mother of all the living. It, it Basically, we are life givers. We give life to relationships, mm-hmm. to beauty, to food, to intellect. And I I learned so much being a single woman about how to create an atmosphere that gave life to everyone who came to my home. And I remember when my a couple of my girls or my two girls were in Oxford for study programs at the very same time. And both of them on their own without talking to the other one, they had these tiny little old ancient rooms that they lived in, tiny. And one of them had chocolates and drinks every week for the people on their floor. Wow. And invited them into their little room. And then the other one had a Sunday afternoon tea time and made cakes for all the people in her dormitory. <laughs> get with everyone. And I thought, wow, you know, they, they get it. They know, they picture themselves mm-hmm. as important in the life of the people that were in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they were both single. They were just living in very small, limited places, but they knew that relationship takes place through intentionality and beauty. And hospitality. Um, hospitality. So amazing. What would you say to the women who work outside of the home? Not all of us can be home. There's a lot of sacrifices, definitely, with the women that are able to be home 
a lot of the times, but there's a lot of women that question if they're homemakers because they have to leave for a handful of hours each day to go to work. Now, I tell them, y'all are light bearers in community and society. You're carrying home with you. I have... For the longest time, Miss Sally, I hardly, I didn't have anybody within my circle and family and friends that were home full time, but I was in constant honest of how they were able to leave the home and then come home and just pour into their homes just like I was doing, but I was doing it full time. To me, I've never, I've never completely put a pin on like you're not a homemaker unless you're home full time that to me that makes no sense how do you feel about women who leave the home for certain hours during the day and then they come into the home as homemakers there are so many different ways to to really build and create home Mm -hmm. and I've always worked you know I both stayed home as well as speaking on the weekends, as well as doing publishing. My husband and I really believe that we we started this many years ago, started Mom Heart Conferences for 23 years for thousands of women, and because we believe that they were essential to it all. Mm-hmm. And I had to, and I think that in this day and time, many women need to work. They, they have to work. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, expenses never end. Some are single moms. Some are you know, whatever. And I think that whatever a woman can do to create the vision, that's what gives her the strength to come home and create the beauty. Mm-hmm. Because um, I knew, like, I, I would write my books at 4.30 in the morning. I don't want anyone else to live by that standard. Mm-hmm. But I was so motivated. And I there was a period of time when my husband would let me go to this little French cafe from 6.30 in the morning until 8. And I would write then, and he would take care of the kids, give them breakfast, dress them. And then when I came home, you know, I I was ready to go. And and they never missed out on anything. But also, I just think that where there's a heart to create home, and I think that some women, you know, every story is different. Some women are doing very important things. Some women are working at jobs they don't like because they're supporting their family. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a matter of envisioning that place matters, simplifying your life if you're feeling lots of pressure and knowing that the most important thing to the people who live in your home are that they want to know that you love them, that you love caring for them, that you love creating space where they can belong. I know this friend of mine who was an editor many years ago, said that people go to these elaborate lengths to create food and feasts. And she said, my children loved me because on Christmas Eve, we went out and bought the most high fat slathering with cheese and onions and bacon hamburgers every year. (laughs) I didn't have a dirty dish, but we brought those home and we made an elaborate deal of it. And they thought belonging to my home was the most profound thing that they could imagine. So be yourself, get a vision, create beauty, but guilt kills souls. And we need to be careful not to judge people just because our lives might have a different sort of story. 
Wow. And I was picturing your daughters having their little tea times and their chocolates and drinks. And really, you can create that anywhere you go. So you could be the heart uh, and carry home with you in the workplace, to the market, anywhere like homemaking. So true. It's so true. It's so powerful and so beautiful. And it's almost like an invitation for people to just rest in your presence, in your atmosphere. I'm... How do you start homemaking? So this is a question from someone who is young and just beginning, kind of like your daughters when they were in university. Um, how do you start homemaking if you weren't taught how to be a homemaker? Well, I think a lot of women were never taught, and I was never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a, a lot of women feel inadequate and feel like they'll, you know, I didn't have it in my background. How can I do it? But I think that the essence of women, I love women. I think they have such incredible capacity. Mm-hmm. And if you, you just start small and then you get bigger and bigger as you go, you know, when you have these little ones, I had ear infected asthmatic children who had to go to the emergency room often. And, you know, there was a, I, I had never even held a baby hardly. I don't even know if I had held a baby <laughs> and I'd never changed the diaper. And so the learning curve for me now, Honestly, my first child, now that I've had children in the spectrum, she was so easy comparatively. But she, when she came into the world, she was in ICU for a few days and I was so scared and I was going to break her. I even fell down a, a flight of stairs holding her. Oh, no. She didn't go to the ground. You know, yes, it's hard, but you build muscle. It's kind of like when you first start driving a car. You know, you're kind of like, where does this foot go and this hand and this and that? And then eventually you don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you can just say, I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow, I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm going to do well, as well as I'm able during this time of babyhood and realize that my baby was placed in my hand to need me. That is what all babies through all history They need a human being to feed them, to love them, to take care of them. And I am that person because this, you know, this baby is in my, whether it's adopted or whether it's you give birth to it, it is my responsibility to bring life and beauty and goodness to this baby. And I will learn how. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many mysterious times like babies who just absolutely refuse to sleep and get up at three o'clock in the morning. And you think, what are you doing? What are you thinking? They're not thinking. They're just something in their little system isn't working. I just want moms of young kids to give themselves a break. You know, just keep growing. Just keep learning. Do what seems right for you. I had so much bad advice. And I finally learned to say, no, I'm just going to be me, do the best I can, and grow a little bit at a time. And I think they'll be fine. You don't have to do everything everybody tells you to do Mm -hmm. to raise healthy human beings. Right. And I think that there's also, and I wish I knew this when I was younger, a young, young mom, because I've developed that muscle, like you were saying, but kind of sitting back for a moment and reflecting on the values that I find important. And then the atmospheres that I find life-giving. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it may be a coffee shop and I love the music and the ambiance. Like I can create that in my home. Right. And then I find um, 
helpful relationships and communication very important? How can I create that and set that as a priority within my home? And so there's, if you take a moment to reflect on what's important or had I done that, I feel like I would have felt more successful as a homemaker when I was young with the babies and the toddlers where I feel like all I'm doing is running around and tending yeah, to children. To life. <laughs> yes. And, and I didn't understand how important it was back then but little did I know when I look back, I think, wow, I did a pretty good job. We read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. They color coordinated their Legos like in piles. Like I was fully present in raising my home. I just didn't understand the value in it. Well, I want to say too that you don't have to like everything you do. Mm. Like I wasn't always a natural, you know, with all that I had to do. And my kids would say, will you play with me? <laughs> Sometimes you want to. And sometimes you just do it because, you know, it means a lot to him. And so if you don't feel like doing everything, that's okay. You know, I, I, it, I mean, that's just a part of life is learning how to do what is right, mm-hmm. regardless of your feelings. And then a lot of times your feelings follow. I have a little granddaughter, Lillian, who's at two years old. I knew that my daughter never slept because she has children who never sleep. And so I would say, as soon as you wake up, come and wake me up. And so she would come and wake me up. And then I would take her at two years old, you know, her little jammies down the stairs. And I would make her this fake tea with her own little teacup. I got her a little rocking chair and I would just talk to her. Oh, I am just so glad you are my friend. We are going to have tea times together the rest of our lives. It's okay if mommy isn't here. Let's just have fun. What have you been thinking? Do you know anyone? And so that became such a ritual that now it's a part of all three children's lives. They all have their own teacup chair to sit in and they all come to be my friend. And then, (laughs) you know, I I can look back when my kids were toddlers, things that I learned that now I'm doing again. And, you know, they, it, it, it will grow over time. Do you have any advice for homemakers who are soon to be or having a hard time becoming empty nesters? Um, These little children, they do, they do grow up. And then I know a lot of women kind of say, well, then where's my place? I do. I mean, I, I think I do love the, what you do and what I do, because I think that if we have a grid that says, I need to be loving, giving, creating, reaching out my whole life. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of pleasure out of my work and I miss my kids, but then I, I, you know, I'll move to Oxford if they're all there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I do a lot to maintain our relationship and I, we talk all the time. I feel like I'm an integral part of their lives, mm-hmm. but I think that women need to let their children be adults and make their own decisions mm-hmm and support them for the unique person that they are, because we had a chance to develop and encourage and train our children for many years. Mm -hmm. But Clay and I were always trying little by little to give them a sense of self in the way that now, you know, you get to do what you want to do. You get to do it your way and I'm going to support you because I believe in you. And so, um, I do think it's hard and lonely because we spend our whole lives developing these incredible relationships with our children. But for me, and I had a wide span of children, Mm -hmm. you know, they were 11 years apart. So when one would leave, there was still more to help. Mm -hmm. But to me, every woman should perceive herself as someone 
who has something to give, to teach, to help. Mm-hmm. And reaching out to other young moms, I think, is a great way to fill your time in a meaningful way and to make friendships and to realize that in the same way we needed support, young women need support. Absolutely. In Titus 2, verses 3 to 5, which is kind of the core of what I believe within the Homemakers Club, is that we all have a part And the older women can impart or the seasoned women or the women who are in the thick of it, we have a calling that we can impart our experience, our, our wisdom, our tips of the trade, like whatever it is, like we are called to pour into others as we go along this journey. So I really don't believe that homemaking ever stops. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you prioritize your marriage and homemaking? You know, that's another place that I think women need freedom. Every single marriage is different. Mm-hmm. There's no formula that works. My husband is a really unique person. If you looked at Myers-Briggs or any of the personality things, he's a one percenter, so there's no one like him. But I feel like I, I spend a lot of time every six months planning my priorities, my people, When am I going to reach out to them? What am I going to do to build into their lives? What is something that they need from me this year? And I do that with my husband too. Like yesterday I said, I've got five places I have to go because I'm preparing to leave for Oxford next week and I get vitamins and, you know, I mean, I, I can get clothing here cheaper and I needed to go to the doctor and to get my physical checkup for the year. So I said, would you just go with me? And he would never think to go with me because he's a real hard worker and he likes creating and doing all the stuff he does. But I invited him into my life and we had so much fun chatting, just writing from store to store Mm -hmm. and getting the groceries for this leadership thing I have this weekend. And I think it's, it's literally in the midst of a very demanding life, creating some spaces to verbally encourage your husband to appreciate what he does, to ask him how he's doing, and and to create time. If we wait for our husbands to do everything, it's never going to happen. <laughs> but if we create spaces and time because we want to serve them, because we want to serve Christ by serving them, mm-hmm. then intimacy and friendship happens. That's beautiful. I'm. You're talking about life just gets busy, and we all have tasks and places to be and things to do both in our home and outside of the home how do you balance a healthy homemaking housekeeping work life like do you do you have a calendar do you have daily routine and rhythm that you kind of follow how do you maintain that um i think it's kind of like the person who is you know spins the plates (laughs) get one plate going at a time Uh (laughs) uh-huh been several but I think that for our family routines and rhythms helped us to know the you know what we were going to do when like if you have a you know regular breakfast and who's going to clean up the dishes and if you have a you know whatever we we were profoundly (laughs) focused on rhythms and routines so that our children didn't ask every day this would choke me if they asked this what are we going to do today, mama? Because I would think, oh, everything, (laughs) so much to do. (laughs) Yeah. And so we, we had times that we, you know, ate meals and times that we did school and times that we, that they would play outdoors and I would make them go outdoors and, you know, create fun things for them. 
but times for rest, we made everybody in our house every afternoon for an hour or by themselves. And wow. it's one of the best ways that my children became readers because I bribed them. I would reward them greatly for reading the books I placed in their basket. And and then also when they got older, I'd give them a cup of tea and a snack. Here, go to your room. I've got a special treat for you because I needed that hour in the afternoon. Great idea. Uh, it's a, I'm sure I've written about it in multiple places, but it's doing what you need. You know, when, when all of us would become so irritable at each other, like there are those days where you have something profound to say and your child says to the other child, he touched my toe, you know, and, and you're thinking, I don't really care about your toes right now. And so I learned that sometimes I would just throw the kids in the car, put on some kind of wonderful music or, you know, some kind of a, a book on tape or a you know, audible. And that way I would be sane by the end of the day and they would be happy. They always got happy when they got in the car and rode someplace wonderful. I would say, okay, we're going to go to this park and it's 60 miles away from here and listen to this amazing story. And then everybody'd be okay. And, and so it's just knowing little secrets and rhythms that can give life every day to what you need. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Before we wrap this up, Miss Sally, I'd like to see if maybe you have something you would like to encourage women in to understand how incredibly impactful they are, whatever season they're in. We're all in different seasons. We all come from different walks. Uh, We have this like little glimmering gold thread that winds us all together in this Homemakers Club because we all value and find something beautiful about our time within our home. Do you have anything that you could, that we can glean from with something, just encouragement on your heart for the women to keep going? I think that all people, all human beings and women included, long for purpose and meaning Mm -hmm. and to know that their lives matter. And I think the more clearly you can say, I am a person who's going to tell a great story with my life, I'm a person who's going to leave a legacy of love and friendship wherever I go with my children, with my husband. I am a woman who's going to grow and develop. And I think that what I'm trying to say is if women could understand how much capacity they have and if they can grow in those areas and and make long-term goals in their home to become fully alive as a woman, as a civilizer, as an intellect, as a spiritual mentor. I mean, the more you develop a sense of self, the more you will be able to develop a home that reflects the life that you have built into yourself. A home isn't about tasks. Home is about heart and vision and love. And so the more you develop the picture for yourself, write down what do you want to be in your lifetime then the easier it will be to create home because you'll have a sense of self who's going to give that life within everything she does, including your home. Mm-hmm. And then extend that to the women doing life aside her. Right, right. Well, Miss Sally, thank you so much for committing your life's work to your home and then being like the Titus to woman and imparting and enriching all of our lives as well. You do that on a global level, and I am just absolutely certain that you have blessed more lives and more generations than you'll ever even know. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. 
And thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Homemakers Club podcast. Well, I have to say back to you because I see you as profoundly important in all these precious women. We will be the silent, quiet history makers. And I think when we get to heaven, we'll see stories told because of the faithfulness of these precious, wonderful women. And I just love what you do. I think it's amazing. And um, I see you affecting people globally as well. So keep it up. I received that so graciously. Thank you, Miss Sally. Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We Are The Homemakers gathered for good. See y'all next week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.